I want to read from the book of Matthew. And I loved all these songs that they did in the worship service because they tie in with everything. That's how God is. The Holy Spirit is very organized. Awesome God we serve. Well, in Matthew 18, I want to read scriptures 1 to 4. The disciples had been walking with Jesus and they were uh, talking about which one of us are going to have what position in heaven. Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus did something that completely blew him away. Verse 1 says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, if you were asked that question, you would have the answer. Amen. And Jesus called a little child. And I want you to notice that he called a little child, not a teenager, a little child. Because you know teenagers think that somebody swiped their parents' brains. And now they know better than their parents. But this was a little child. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I chose these scriptures because of some things that I just went through. We took a neighbor boy down to the shore with us on vacation. And I believe he's either 10 or 11. It was so awesome because I noticed and I remembered back at that age, they believe anything you tell them. They do. Because they are so dependent and so humble that Man, you tell them the sky's going to turn green and they're going to believe it. We got to talking about a tsunami and he was saying how cool it would be if a tsunami came. And I said, no, it would not be cool if a tsunami came. He said, why not, man? We could ride our boogie boards. I said, no, no, I don't think you would want to do that. It would cover the buildings that we're staying at. He's like, oh, okay, okay. But that's the mentality that he had, and that's how little children are. They're so gullible, but they don't have so many things trying to put doubt in their mind. They haven't been double-crossed. They haven't been lied to. They haven't gone through all the things that adults go through. So they don't have this mentality that everybody's lying. They're looking for guidance. Has anybody in here seen... um, the never-ending story. Oh, some of you that have kids, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's awesome. There's a flying dog, big dog. And it's all about this place called Fantasia. It's a kingdom. And the reader is reading the book, and there's a boy named Artreus in the movie, and it's his job in the book to go and save Fantasia. The reader, I'm going to say, there's only one book that I know that is never-ending. Amen? So I'm going to do a little switch here. I'm going to make Jesus the one reading the book, and us, we're Artreus. Of course, you know where we're destined for, but it just so happens that in this movie... Artreus didn't get there in time and Fantasia fell apart. 
So the boy that was reading the book, he thought this was terrible. And the girl assured him that through him, this would be a never-ending story because he could carry it on from there. Well, I want to read a little thing to you. And I thought it was amazing if you think about it. The emptiness of man is what destroys all that's around him. The emptiness of man destroys all that is around him. Now, I don't know where you were when you came to the Lord. If you were like me, you were shipwrecked. You were almost at the end of your wit. I know for a fact, if I had continued the track that I was on, I wouldn't be here now. And I'm glad that God saved me just in time, just like the song said, he saved me just in time. Because God, all of a sudden, and I'm sure that you can relate with this, all of a sudden, a light come on and showed me the path that I was on and showed me calamity ahead. It was like I could see where I was heading. I was going to be destroyed and I was going to do it myself. When I partied, I partied. I did things that, the things that I did, when I told her that I did them, she said, you shouldn't even be here. And I said, well, evidently God had a plan. But I did so many different things. I straight-lined whiskey, straight whiskey. Put it in a syringe and hit it in my arm so I could get an instant buzz. That could kill you. But I did stuff like that. But I'm so glad that there was a Savior who listened to a praying mom and introduced me to a never-ending story. And I want to read a little bit about the Holy Spirit and what he means to us. If you could go to John 16, 7 to 3. First, I want to tell you that in John 15, 26, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter, and the spirit of truth. I want to read from John 16, 7 to 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he will speak, and he will show you things to come. My brother-in-law, he has made his life a mess, but God has saved him just in time. He is definitely, without a doubt, born again. And I know that because he is draining me of everything that God has ever put in me. I mean, he is like a sponge. And he's asking me question after question after question after question. 
and he's got like six different things of telling him what to read every day and all this, and he can't stop there. He, he's, got, he's in his words so much that he can't get away from it because he's so excited because the Holy Spirit is showing him truth in his life. And his life now seems to have purpose, and his life is just exciting him, and it's exploding in truth. And he just can't get out of the word of God. And I'm so thankful. Years ago, had a dream that him and I were sitting at the table studying the word of God. And she wrote it down and she brought it out and revealed it to him that God told her a long time ago how he was going to be so excited and he was going to sit and study with me. And I'm telling you, it's just an awesome experience. And I can tell you that his life was heading for a catastrophe. But Jesus saved him just in time. Just in time. Last Sunday, I was in Smyrna, Delaware. I was in Smyrna, Delaware because on the way back from our vacation, my water pump went out. So I had to stay down there. And just to tell you how organized God is, we were close to a Pep Boys. Not only were we close to a Pep Boys, but Pep Boys was open Sunday. Not only were they open Sunday, but they said they would fix my car. Not only did they say they would fix my car, but there was a motel right down the street and a restaurant. So I got to stay there and God had this all under control. You know, everything was in place and everything was close by. And they told me that they would try to have my car done by quitting time. Well, that made me sort of sweat bullets, even though I knew God had everything in control. You know how it is. I'm waiting there, and I had to be out of the motel at 1 o'clock. So at 1 o'clock, I gather my stuff together, and I start walking to Pep Boys, hoping that the car would soon be done. Halfway to Pep Boys, I got a phone call. Mr. Ramwood, your car is finished. You're ready to go. Hello. God had everything under control. I'm telling you, God just, he just gets bigger and bigger to me. And the Holy Spirit is there with us every day. He knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. No worries. But the enemy is there to rob, kill, and destroy. And he's always trying to get your mind off of the Lord. And he is always trying to get your mind off of the supernatural and everything that God can do. And he's there and he's going to do things and cause things to happen that sometimes we just can't hardly handle. I don't know about you if you've ever felt this way, but there's been a few times since I've been saved that I thought that I was at the end of my rope. I thought that I just couldn't take any more. And I wondered if God was really telling the truth when he said he would never give me more than I could handle. But of course, that's true. He does things and takes us through things. And, you know, if Jesus is telling the truth that he'll never leave us or forsake us, he's going through everything you're going through with you. Amen? So, you know, he's got it under control. The next scripture I want to read is from Romans eight fourteen to 16. And I'm saying all these things because I believe that God gave me this message. And I believe that there are people who need to hear what the Holy Spirit's going to say through this. 
I've just come out of the worst time of my life, being depressed and everything. And I shared in here, and God has brought me out of that, and I mean, I'm ready to fly. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And I was talking to my brother-in-law about that and how the Spirit bears witness to us, and I told him that's what's happening with you right now. I said, you're seeing all these scriptures, and all of a sudden they're exploding, and you, before when you read them, you didn't get anything. But now you have a different spirit in you, and he's revealing things to you. He's bearing witness with your spirit, and you're understanding what the truth is. And I said, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to show you things that you had no idea of. And he said, you know, it's amazing because before when you guys tried to tell me stuff, I just didn't get it. And I didn't want to get it. But now it's like, I can't get enough of it. And you know what? He reminded me of me because when I got saved, I was a sponge. I clung to my pastor's coattail, man. I mean, I was with him. I asked him questions when everyone come to me. He was my mentor. He was teaching me and and the Holy Spirit was using him to help me grow and everything. And it was just amazing. And I was a sponge too. And it's a wonder he didn't tell me to get, get away from it because, I mean, I was always there. But I may know that the enemy tries to magnify problems. I mean, he makes them things look so big. Now, he don't sit there and tell you, well, this problem's big, but you've got something bigger. He doesn't tell you that. Instead, he blows these things up and causes you to get maybe depressed or downhearted. How many know that when you're angry or you're hurt, sometimes it's hard to open that Bible? It's sure hard to pray. There's been times where it was just hard to pray because the way I was feeling And I'm glad that the Holy Spirit ministers to other people and speaks to other people. And sometimes when you can't pray, God will alert somebody else that you need prayer. And sometimes I've had people call me up and they had just the right scripture for me, the one I needed to hear. And I thank God so much that he has everything under control and he is the one that's going to get us to the kingdom of God. We can't do it on our own. Amen? Life is hard. Now, the Bible says that the devil is the God of this world, but he says it with a little g. Little. So the enemy has his way here, but he doesn't have his way with the child of God. He tries to. Because he can't hurt God, so he tries to hurt God's kids. But he can't hurt God's kids because God is bigger than him. Amen? And God has everything under control. But there again, sometimes our emotions and our feelings, he just plays with them and we get hurt or we get angry. And 
I don't know about you, but I've sat in my bathroom when I was in that depression. I sat in there and I cried to God. I mean, I was crying my heart out and I said, God, where are you? I can't take this another day. And sure enough, God showed up right then and he helped me another day. And he helped me every day up until the time that I got better. And I remember when I was doing treatments for hepatitis C. And for 10 years, I did treatments, and it was like chemo. And, of course, some of us know what chemo's like. And um, I was taking 23 different medicines just for the side effects. And uh, there were days that I'd get to work, and I felt like going back home because I couldn't. I was sick. I mean, I couldn't hardly work. And most people that were doing these treatments for hepatitis C were on disability because they couldn't work with it. It was just so hard on them. Now, I'm not saying that to build me up. I'm saying that to glorify God because those days when I got to work and felt like I needed to go back home because I was sick, I would say, God, I need to work. I need you to help me get through the day. And you know what? It just seemed like the next minute it was 3.30 and time to go home. I missed four days in 10 years because God got me through every day, every day. God was amazing. I mean, he just built my faith up so much because he helped me so much. And with this depression, he helped me so much. And now I'm free of the depression and I feel so great and I feel my old self. I guess that's good. Uh, <laughs> But I feel good now, and I feel like I'm ready to go for God, and I want to do whatever I can for him. And I believe he's going to do something through me. There's days that we have that we have a hard time praying, and we have a hard time reading scripture. But that's why God put us in line with other people, other brothers and sisters in Christ. People sometimes feel like they don't need church. They don't need to have church. They can be saved without church. I want to tell you something. They're missing it. They are not getting what they need. You can watch all the TV evangelists you want to, and you're not going to get everything you need because God put you around people. And he put you around imperfect people. And you need imperfect people to teach you how to be a perfect person because God wants you to love the unlovable. And there are going to be people in church that are going to hurt you and offend you. But you need that to happen so that God can teach you how to love the unlovable. So that he can teach you to live like a child of God. That you can bring glory to his name no matter who you're around. Because let's face it, in the world there's always somebody trying to trip you up. There's always somebody watching for you to make a mistake. So God put you in around imperfect people. But you know what? You're no different. You're not perfect. Amen? You're not perfect. So God put you around people to help you to learn how to grow. We need each other. You know what? If you feel like you don't need to be in church and you just decide to sit at home and watch TV evangelists, you're going to cut somebody out of a blessing. Guaranteed. Because God meant you to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters. He meant you to be a blessing. 
He meant you to be someone that would help them get to where you're all going. I mean, it's just like if you have a charcoal grill going and you got that thing burning ready to cook some burgers and hot dogs. If you separate one coal, that thing's going to get cold quicker than it will if you let all of them together. Amen. You need each other. And I want to go now to the book of Revelations, chapter 21. Sometimes in our walk, when the enemy tries to blind us from what we really need to see, from the God of heaven who has given us so many gifts and so many benefits. I mean, the God who has never left us down, who has never left us alone. The enemy is very good at trying to cover that and blind you from it. And he'll do whatever he can to try to get your eyes off of your father and to try to get your eyes and your mind off of all the benefits that you have in God. God has so many benefits for you and so many promises. I've heard different numbers of how many promises in the book. I've heard 6,000. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that everyone that I've read, God kept his word. And the spirit of truth leads you into all truth, and he leads you into those promises so that God can prove to you that his word is true. He leads us into those promises, and that's where it is. Alana's brother, he is seeing God open up doors that wouldn't open before he was born again. He's seeing God do things and change his life where before he was just trying to wing it, and he was just messing up one time after another, and it was a mess because he was trying to live his life on his own, and it don't work. If you're saved God wants you in a realm that is different than what you could make. He wants to bring you up and train you up in a way where nothing can stop you. The Bible says that God is going to shake the earth one more time to make things fall off that could fall off. God wants you to get off so you're immovable, so that nothing Nothing can make you fall off. And God is going to strengthen you as time goes on in your walk. He's going to make you so that you're immovable. He's going to make you like you're on a solid rock, and you are. So God's going to take us into this other realm. And you know, when you were trying to do things your own way, you were trying to do things naturally. And I don't know about you, but I've heard people, these highly intellectual Christians who have tried to explain the Bible naturally, like where they crossed the Red Sea, how there was a sandbar that came up. And Jesus wasn't really walking on the water. There was like a sandbar and there was only like an inch of water and he was walking on top of that. And, you know, they're trying to explain things away naturally. Well, we don't serve a natural God. We serve a supernatural God. And he does things that are unbelievable. Amen? He does things that our mind can't even comprehend. He does things that you can't even see him doing. Like when I wanted to quit smoking, I knew I needed to quit smoking. I thought they'd kill me. Or if they didn't, it was still a bad testimony. But I knew that I had to quit smoking. So I said, God, you know what? I've tried everything that I could do 
to try to quit smoking, and I can't quit. To be truthful with you, God, my desire to smoke is greater than my desire not to. So God did a little bit over here and a little bit over here and a little bit over there. And here's what God used to get me to quit, and it was amazing. We went to a New Year's lunch like we always do. The family gets together. We have pig belly. I know you're saying, it's good. We have pig belly every New Year's, and we went to this dinner, and we're all sitting there, and we said grace and everything, and Lana's uncle just had a heart attack, and he had to quit smoking. He had to quit doing everything, and I'm sitting there, of course, and I wasn't saved yet. I'm sitting there, and I have my pack of cigarettes sitting there, and I'm sitting there smoking, you know, and listening to everybody talk, and I'd say something every once in a while, and all of a sudden, I looked at Uncle, and I swear, I thought that he was looking at my cigarettes, and it was tempting him to the point where he was going to crunch. Now, later, that was the last day I smoked. I did not smoke another drag of a cigarette after that. I felt so bad because I saw him looking at that pack of cigarettes, and I just knew that I was going to cause him to stumble. Well, let me tell you something. I talked to him about a month after that, and he said, I never thought a thing about it. Never thought a thing about it. But God showed me that I could make him stumble. And I'm telling you, it changed my whole heart. It was, I never got tempted to smoke after that. It, it was amazing. But God did that through something that I thought that wasn't even there. And he completely changed my heart there. You know what? I don't know what everybody's going through. I don't know if the enemy's been giving you a hard deal. I don't know if you've lost sight of the prize. I don't know that. I don't know if the enemy has had you under such attack that you can't hardly take it. I don't know if you're in depression like I was and you're having a hard time and you just are having a hard time coping. I don't know if you feel like the world's caving in around you. I don't know. But I do know that God wanted me to read this scripture to everybody. And I do know that there's a reason. So somebody needs this. So I'm going to read it. Revelations 21. Do you remember the day or the days upcoming to where you went to an altar or you made an altar wherever you were and you asked Jesus into your heart and asked him to save you and to change your life? Do you remember them times where it led up to that? Nobody just heard it and came to God. God, through the Holy Spirit, had to draw them to himself. It took time. It took me 18 years of my mom's prayers to come to God. And I mean to tell you, in 18 years, I felt every prayer that she prayed. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I know it made my life miserable because I was not living right for God. And she prayed for me and God went wherever I was. If I was at a drug party, God was there. If I went to a booze party, God was there. If I went to a bar, God was there. Everywhere I went, he followed me. 
And through my mom's prayer, he just kept loving me and loving me and loving me. I shared before, I think in here, a pastor that was at the Presbyterian Church came down and (laughs) talking about loving the unlovable. I was sitting on my side porch outside with a joint in one hand and a bottle of beer in the other. And I was sitting there and this pastor come up to me. Of course, (laughs) you can imagine what I felt. I mean, I think I swallowed my tongue. I'm sitting there with a joint in one hand and a bottle of beer in the other. And he said, hey, when are we going on a canoe trip? What? He said, when are we going on a canoe trip? I said, you know, that sounds so funny now. But man, if you could imagine how I felt when he came walking up there. I couldn't hide. (laughs) I'm sitting there. I was busted. But you know what he did? He loved me enough. While I'm sitting there with a joint and a bottle of beer, he loved me enough to say, hey, when are we going on a canoe trip? I mean to tell you, that was one time that I think God brought me 10 steps towards him. But through my life, I remember God drawing me with his love and just loving me. He didn't care if I was so high I couldn't even think right. He was still loving me. He didn't care if I was drunk as a skunk. He was still loving me. And he did the same for you. Maybe you weren't as bad as me. But I guarantee you that he was drawing you with his love and he drew you for a while. You didn't come the first time you heard the gospel message, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't believe you did. I believe that God drew you and when he drew you, he gave you a reason to live. Now, the way the economy is and everything, it looks gloomy. Everything looks gloomy right now. Everything is like haywire. But I want to tell you something. We are residents of a different kingdom. We have a different government. As a child of God, you are a part of something that is a never-ending story. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now I want to tell you something. That doesn't mean that God destroyed the earth and destroyed heaven and made a new one. That means he changed the one that's there. He'll never destroy the earth. He's just going to make it different than what it is now. It's going to be without sin. It's going to be without a lot of things. And I saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, The tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It's not going to be Jesus speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be Jesus talking from the right hand of God. It's going to be Jesus right in the place with us in person. He's going to be right there with us and it's an awesome thing. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more chemo. 
Neither shall there be any more blood work need done. Neither is there going to be any pain. For the former things are passed away. Life as we know it is gone. Can you imagine a life without any temptation? Anything that can pull us down. Can you imagine a life without the devil kicking you while you're down? Can you imagine not losing loved ones? Can you imagine what it's going to be like? I'm going to read that again. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. I don't know where you are right now. I do know what it feels like to feel like the world's caving in. I do know what it feels like to be so depressed that you don't feel like you can make it another day. I do know what that feels like. I know what it feels like when the enemy has given you no hope. I know what it feels like when you're so weak and so sick that you can't pray, that you can't read the Bible. I know what it feels like when you got to depend on other people. And if that's where you are, I hope that that scripture in Revelation blessed your heart today. And if you want to come, I will pray for you. And I'm going to ask God to take your load away. I'm going to ask God to help you to remember the good things that he has for you. I'm going to ask God to come and meet you where you are and anything that's on you for God to take it away. I'm going to ask God to renew the joy of your salvation. I'm going to ask God to do a miracle in you today. God wants you to be up, not down. He wants you to be able to go in and out freely. He wants you to not have to worry about heaven. He's got your back. He's got you. He loves you more than you ever could imagine. You know that. God has never left you down. He won't now either. Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't really know him. You can know him today. Just like my brother-in-law, he knows who God is now. He knows that Jesus is just who he says he is. He knows that through Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and bears witness with his spirit that he's a child of God. If you don't know him, I want you to come. If you do know him and you've been going through hell here on earth, I want you to come. I believe God has something for you. 
maybe you're okay. Maybe everything's all right for you. Maybe not. But I do know God wanted that scripture read for some reason, for somebody. I know that God had a reason for what he said today. 